accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to our show. This is a run-through of Star Trek DS9. We're not talking about Discovery in this one. We are up to the episode called Ties of Blood and Water. The 19th episode of the fifth season aired on April 14th, 1997. Teleplay goes to Robert Hewitt Wolf. Story credit goes to Edmund Newton and Robin Slocum, directed by Avery Brooks. In this episode, Kira asks Kenny Gaymore to come to DS9 to provide information about the Cardassian government in the revitalizing dissident revitalized dissident movement gold ducat arrives and demands gamers extradition clay welcome back to the show how are you i feel like i if you haven't if you didn't notice uh my intro is way off there it feels like it's been three months since we did a ds9 episode but i think it's only been a couple of weeks but how are you anyway i'm good yeah i when i was watching this it felt like i hadn't watched it in a long time which uh <clears throat> made me that much more thankful when dax was like remember those a handful of episodes ago where you were total recalled as this guy's daughter mm-hmm. i was like oh thank you yes i would not have <laughs> remembered that at all if you hadn't said that you i think you watched this episode so you might remember this guy i don't know if you actually remember the episode or you just think that the information was good but i think you watched this one i did yes okay, yeah as yeah. um, soon as she said it i remembered it but i i would not have it would have taken me a while to piece that together if they hadn't said anything yeah yeah i don't know if it's the same actor or not uh i don't remember things that well but it is ties of blood and water we're going to be dealing with another kira storyline going to be dealing with a little bit of an introduction of the uh, dominion thing is back again so let's take a break i'm going to play an audio clip and then me and clay are going to come back and we're going to break down ties of blood and water no you are the perfect person for the job you're still popular on cardassia the people respect you they'll listen to you it's not that simple we can make it work We'll set up a government in exile here on the station. You could make regular transmissions into Cardassia, issue corrections to their propaganda, mobilize your old friends in the dissident movement. Maurice, it's a good plan. But I can't help you. Why? I have Yarumfell syndrome. It's terminal, Maurice. I'm dying. So it's like you said, Clay, we've been doing a discovery and then we've been had a little bit of a uh, busy stretch where we haven't been able to do our recordings as or mostly uh, I haven't been able to do with the recordings because of my busyness. But I've back. been recording them on my own and showing them to no one. <laughs> you got to get your takes piled up and then ship them off once you get that surplus going. We're They're back. just for my personal collection where things get naughty. We're, d- <laughs> we're back with uh, Ties of Blood and Water, which Deep Space Nine. I don't know if you remember uh, the episodes too much preview to this, but we haven't dealt with... I remember uh, nothing. We haven't dealt with the Dominion, really. This is the reintroduction Mm. of that kind of storyline, because after the big uh, double uh, two-parter episode where everything went to hell in a handbasket and the Dominion joined the Cardassians, now we are finally moving back into that. The show always takes a little bit of a break after those big moments. How many episodes have we not dealt with that because honestly i remember that better than i remember anything else that's happened since that it's probably been about three or four i think really yeah huh yeah i don't well i don't know (laughs) but um i don't know if you wanted to start there those are the two aspects of this so you have the the cardassian and dominion sort of coming to 
uh, DS9, and then you've got the Cure thing, which it all ties together. But those are the two basic plots that you want to go to. I guess we can talk about Kira because um, this it feels to me that the the show does a pretty good job with Kira storylines at this point. Um, I don't know if this one is as good as the one where the guy kept her in the darkness and the light uh, thing, and he sort of was monologuing to her at the end. Although mm-hmm. I think that this one is pretty good, and even the fact that they, uh, I think they retcon her father's death a little bit because I'm pretty sure they say that he died at the hands of Cardassian torturers, which doesn't seem to be the case here. Although maybe that's well, who's to say? Who's I mean, record keeping during that time was spotty at best. Is and he was he was a little bit of an unreliable narrator. But I, I think that it's a, um, I think it's a good curious storyline just because it brings back a character from the past. It ties up that relationship a little bit, and it's sort of you know it it. it puts a new bit of perspective on Kira's uh, growing up and what she was like during the resistance and everything. I don't think it's anything earth shattering, but I think it's pretty solid. Yeah. I thought it was fine. Um, My issue with it was I was surprised at Kira's reaction to uh, it it seemed like they were, they were retreading stuff a bit Um, because I was under the impression that Kira had kind of made peace with the way things work in wartime. Like, that's kind of how I felt like she was coming out of that, uh, the one where she got kidnapped when she was pregnant. Like, yeah, that, that, yeah. you know, the, the lesson that she learned from that or the lesson that they were trying to impart from that, I thought was kind of absent here because as soon as he was like, as soon as it turned out, oh, yeah, he was part of this raid that killed a bunch of Cardassians or Bajorans, she lost her shit on him. And I thought it was her being a little disingenuous based on how her character had moved uh, in the last season or so. Um, but I mean, I guess the, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I couldn't totally reconcile that position from her with the stuff that they were showing about her dad. Yeah. Um, you don't think because that she's... Clearly her, Go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, you, you don't think that she's just... she. I thought uh, she was more upset about the fact that he had lied to her about it and less about the fact that it was happening. Although, I could, I could kind of see your point. Um, it, it does feel like Kira's kind of bounces on that point over and over again. And I think mm-hmm. the last time we talked about Darkness and the Light, it was like, do, do the... Are the, the characters at a point in the series where their stories are starting to become a little bit repetitive uh, yeah. over and over again? And I thought that they kind of got around it just by the fact that he had lied to her about it or not been forthright and that she was looking for any kind of reason to get out of it. But if you, if you thought it was more of a retread than that, I guess that's um, a fair yeah. opinion. I mean, I guess if she was looking for any reason to get out of it, um, I don't know. I, 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 I guess I wish they had played that up a little bit more. I mean, I know she was hesitant going into it, uh, but it seemed like once she was there, she was, you know, she was good to go. Yeah. Um, so to have her, uh, you know what? I wish they had shown the fact that she had missed, she had, she wasn't there when her dad died earlier because okay. the, the stuff with her dad seemed like it was, I wasn't sure what was going on with it. Um, at first I thought the event that she gets all pissed off at, uh, what's his name? The Cardassian, Cardassian guy? Uh, yeah. To Kenny or Gaymore, I guess. is how, His Gaymore. last name is Gaymore, yeah. Uh, the, I, I thought the event that uh, that he was involved in was what ended up killing her father, but that doesn't seem to be the case. No. Um, 
That's if a little that bit were more the case, I would have a little bit more. I would be okay. I can see why you know she would be all pissed off, but you know that's that's a little stock. But yeah, it, it's stock. Um, it's stock, but it does provide the um, motivation for not liking the father. I thought it was the, to me the big thing was um, they got to the end of the episode, and I was a little bit relieved that Kira just comes out and says what why she ran away from her father because I yeah, don't think the yeah. scene where she leaves her father is particularly. It's funny. I thought that. Nana Visitor was really excellent in this episode, except for the moment where she, in the flashback, she leaves her father. And I don't yeah, think she does a good yeah. job in that scene of portraying what she's doing at that point. Um, they don't have dialogue to back it up. So I was relieved at the end when she explains to Bashir that she ran away because she didn't want to deal with it, basically. Like mm. it was a cowardice move as opposed to any kind of vengeance factor that she was going for. Yeah, I would argue that. I don't even know if those flashbacks were necessary at all, except for the fact that they they show where uh, her father was buried to for the nice you know um, tie up at the end there. Yeah, um, I would say that her speech about it is probably all you is probably enough. It, it does it does more for the story than uh, uh, you know headbutting somebody to death in story does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it was believable. I don't know. Maybe it only works because of the flashbacks. I'm not sure, but I, I, it, the flashbacks weren't really doing anything for me because they, yeah, they seemed kind of superfluous and they they weren't really getting across what was happening from from her standpoint. Um, do you think that they were doing it that way specifically to make it just seem like it was sort of a she's pissed off that because the Kardashians killed her dad thing? Like so, so um, when you know they set up that he's been injured and she's pissed off that the Cardassians have have you know killed him essentially, and so when uh, fuck, what's his name? Gar- Gamor. I think it's Gamor. Gamor. Yeah, Gamor of Thrones. Okay. Uh, uh, when Gamor tells you know she finds out about Gamor, then it's supposed to be like firing off those old oh Cardassians killed my people things. Yeah, right. More than more than it is anything else really to do with what ends up being the emotional point of the show it's well i guess it's funny maybe we disagree about it i kind of like the flashbacks um mm-hmm. there, there's a, a couple of weird little bits about it. like the one thing i really like about it is that avery brooks directed this and avery brooks continues to be a good director on the show yeah. i think mm-hmm. um the one thing i was i i thought was happening and was going to be really clever but it actually doesn't happen is when they bring her father in the first time and she's looking down on him on the stretcher, the camera doesn't show him immediately. And mm. I, I thought what they were going to do was hide him from it be in, and do some kind of like whatever the Cardassians did was too grotesque to like want to look at this guy. Like the camera doesn't want to look at him or anything. And I, I appreciated them staying on Kira because it was Kira's story. They do show the father eventually. But I think that the flashbacks to me are the more emotional story, interestingly, because I don't really get a lot of the connection with Game War, and that doesn't really like bring up a lot of like the emotion that I think the episode is built around. Mm-hmm. What I do like about the flashbacks is, you know, they bring back those characters that we know are Kira's friends that got blown up a couple episodes ago. Yep. Like you mm-hmm. see him, and so there's this universe that you're familiar with, and you're you're aware of these characters. And I thought that the death of her father was more touching and it tied into because she reconciles her father and you see the reconciliation or you see the the event that caused this sort of thing between her and her father. Uh, and then it ties into death of the death of her new father, her adopted Cardassian father. I, I thought it worked fairly well. Um, yeah, I guess I guess my issue with it is that I 
I felt the opposite because I didn't have any connection, even though it's her father, and I mean, that has a lot of weight to it just in and of itself. I didn't feel any connection to their relationship at all because yeah. they, they never, she's never shown up before. Right. It's a whereas, little bit of a cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the stuff that she's doing with uh, Gaymore, hey, it worked that time. I remembered it. Um, <laughs> We're probably pronouncing his name wrong, too. I, I just Whatever. Know I- <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Um, to Kenny. The thing. To Kenny. That's his first no, name. I'm to not going to get that. It's going to be Gaymore. I don't care what it is. It's Gaymore <laughs> from here on out. Um, the 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 stuff she's doing with Gaymore, at least he's, you are, there is a history that you've seen there and a relationship that you are privy to. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the father stuff as being a, uh, 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 as bolstering that main story, but I just, I just didn't love the, the stuff that they gave you in those flashbacks. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would want them to do differently. I, I guess the the point of them that she sums up at the end, I didn't feel uh, was worth spending landed. time. Okay, yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. think it really landed. I because it, it, it was just watching it through until the end. Unless this was the point, um, I felt that it it was just a, an exploration of her being angry that her father was dead, not the fact that she was explicitly leaving so she would not have to deal with her death, his death. Yeah. Well. Th- but you you'd agree that the ending reveals it to be that that's the case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I, I I think that it's one of those weird episodes. Like everything is perfectly functional with it, and I think it's actually I think the script is actually pretty good because I think that mm-hmm. these two storylines dovetail together pretty nicely. Yeah, I I'd agree that both storylines kind of feel like they're lacking something to me. Like neither one is really pushing it over the edge in terms of getting like an emotional response out of it. I think that Nana Visitor is like selling the hell out of everything that oh, yeah. she's being yeah. asked to. But yeah. for some reason, I'm not really attached to Gaymore. And as you say, I've never met her father before. So that's all kind of operating on the, you know, I'm supposed to feel sad because it's this character's father who's died. Mm-hmm. And I think that it it's... I don't know. So I, I appreciate it on a technical kind of level. And I think that they dovetail everything really nicely together at the end. And I think that the, you know, for for me, the weakest part is actually the Federation's need for Kira to be debriefed by this guy before he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really feel that that kind of works like that. That feels very artificial to me, I suppose. And it's, it's, they do it because they need Ducat to come in and be, and be afraid of how much information this guy is giving over. But it felt like a very writerly, like the Cardassians before they die, they give up all their secrets. And this guy's in enemy mm-hmm. territory giving away secrets and Scare is going to listen to all the secrets. It, well, it felt I, a little know, bit forced. I actually liked that element of the story. What forced or not, I wish they had kind of expanded on it a little bit more because I think there's an interesting, um, uh, 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 crisis there for Kira um, being pushed into that kind of situation uh, and having to deal with these emotions that she that she has. Um, I wish that they had done a little bit more with that instead of just you know had her be totally cool with it right off the bat. Because I mean that I find that to be a, a more interesting um, uh, trigger for for her emotions about her father than just having flashbacks because she's. She's actively trying to avoid this situation, but she's being forced into it. And even being forced into it is kind of kind of sleazy, mm-hmm. based on the stuff that she has to do. So I I would find that as a more interesting um, catalyst for all that stuff to come up than than just flashbacks of how her dad got shot. Yeah, personally. I guess, 
Yes, I, I'd agree that the um, the flashbacks are a little bit disconnected in the sense that normally when you have a show like this, like the, something triggers the flashback, and yeah. nothing really triggers her flashbacks here as far as I remember. Like you could say that the, seeing a Cardassian does this, but she's seen a lot of Cardassians yeah. to this point. I was, I was surprised by that too, because the first one happens when she's just talking to Cisco about having to do this thing, and then they just hard cut. Well, they do that thing where she kind of like walks stage uh you know Sta- towards the yeah, camera front of the stage yeah, yeah yeah and just sort of like looks looks off into the distance and they do the you know wavy line effect and they you know well they don't actually do that but you know I mean. <laughs> she looks she looks um, down i think and then when the flashback is over she looks back up yeah yeah, yeah. you know like like how memories work like we've talked previously about how you you have to disengage from real life <laughs> and then actually relive the moment and then re-engage yeah she kind of does the um the look up and look down thing and she has the uh, the memory that is obviously triggered out of nowhere but uh, i'd agree with you that her her flashbacks are detached to the point that maybe maybe this is what it is. You were you were kind of expecting the tie-in to be there sooner. Maybe is that fair to say? Like I, I feel that the ending ties everything up together, but you spend a good deal of the time wondering why she's having this flashback and why it amounts to anything in terms of this yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know I I don't find that the information that you get by the end of that flashback ultimately tells you why. And and I think that's why I find it sort of sorry tells you, tells you why uh, tells you what about why like, I, the the story that she tells is giving you the information about why they're showing you the flashback, not the flashback itself. Right. So I, which I feel like is a little bit is cheating a little bit. Okay, I, I understand. Um, so you, you feel yeah, instead because, of the instead of the flashback conveying her story at the end, you need the her monologue at the end to explain what you've been watching this entire exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. The, the you're not learning any new information about her you're not learning any information pertinent to the story from the flashback until she says that stuff. And I guess whether or not you think that's fair play is is up to you. Um I think I personally, I think the the flashback should work in and of itself, and then what she says at the end should be able to bolster bolster that. I don't think it should depend on what she says at the end. Yeah, that w- would you agree that that comes down to my point about the big problem is the death of her father is not handled properly. Like the the yeah. the yeah. the way that they film it does not convey what she's doing there, and I think that it's a combination of directing, acting, and scripting actually, because the script never calls out. No, no one. She has that friend who's kind of like, "You sure you want to go?" And she's like, "Yeah," but they never they never highlight Kira's mon- uh, sensibility through the script. I don't think the acting really conveys a conflictedness that I think she's supposed to be feeling at that point, yeah. and I don't think the direction really captures. That like the the direction doesn't give the actors a chance to really convey that. I don't think. Yeah, and I I I I think they kind of hinder themselves a little bit too by having her reaction be the same both times in the flashback because she's when he's dying she's like oh let me go I want to kill some people because they killed my dad and then she comes back and they're like your dad's dead and she says okay let's go kill some more people yeah that's true yeah <laughs> right so I, I'm not sure what <laughs> she's trying to avoid here other than just being she's just being angry and taking it out in the Cardassians in which case yeah I know she's gonna do that yeah uh, and it's funny because it's a it's a stock enough of a story or a character beat where I I, I don't I don't really uh, I didn't have a memory of this episode mm-hmm. but I knew my problem while watching it was like I know that Kira is probably running away from responsibility here like that's what they're yeah. trying to say but it's not really being conveyed and then i was very relieved at the end when it was conveyed that way and you know the the ending where she goes back and re- accepts her responsibility in terms of game or 
feels good at that point. Like the, yeah. I do like the mirroring of the fathers there and like not being able to be there for your first father. So you're there for your adoptive father later on is kind of come up and sort of kind of reconciliation of how you feel about all that stuff. I just, to, to, the, the, the sad thing I guess is that her, I don't have the sense of the relationship that she has with Gaymore that would, that would, um, back up her father or like support her father's feelings. Like it doesn't feel like the the relationship between Kira and Gamor is at a strength level enough where I I feel like it's even. If that makes any sense. Like I, I understand the the sacrifice and what she's choosing to do, but that storyline doesn't strike me as very sad. Um, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean the the time they spent together in that last episode did not exactly make me feel like they were going to be you know writing letters to each other once they parted ways yeah yeah uh or keeping in contact at all um you know i was just thinking i i wonder i think the problem in the flashbacks why that that element doesn't really track um is uh i think it would track better if it was just a straight one-to-one and instead of her father being shot and dying if he was just sick and dying because that way if he's sick and dying and then she is choosing to go off and fight these guys. You know, if she let's if he, if he's sick and dying, and then she is somehow uh, rationalizing his illness with uh, the Cardassians, so that's why she's going off to kill them or something. Like uh, he's sick and he can't be brought to a hospital because the, the town is occupied by Cardassians, some shit like that. Yeah. So that way, you know, it, it's not a one to one. Uh, they killed my father. Now I'm going to kill them. Now she is. She's. She's basically making an excuse now. But you, you don't. You don't think that's mirrored in the fact that she runs away from her father under the pretext of getting revenge against the Cardassians, and the reason she abandons Gamor is because he's a Cardassian. See, I think that's the mirroring right there, where Cardassians are both reasons why she tries to run away from what she needs to do. Yeah, I guess. I just, I don't know. I don't find it, I, I don't find it particularly satisfying, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. Um, because... I mean, Odo does a good job of exposing how... It's almost um, comical, because I think the way that he exposes her, the irrationalness, she's uh, irrational anger she has towards Gamor at the end, where he's like, you know, he was... 19 he'd been there for like three months i don't even have proof that he like shot a single bullet or anything like that it mm-hmm. it it, it, it kind of comes across as almost um a joke that she's reacting that way but i think that's it's intentionally done that way uh, it's just it doesn't have the gravitas to it like she's really stretching her she's really stretching in uh her rationale for doing what she's trying to do by running away there at the end with some weak evidence yeah and i think i thought that scene was good i like that scene a lot um, yeah, it's just, it's just the, I, the flashback just doesn't, doesn't do this, the, the, uh, doesn't support the main thing the way that I think it should. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Personally. It's also a cave set and it's very difficult to pay attention yeah. to Star Trek cave yeah. sets, <laughs> but they do establish the burial ground, which they, uh, nicely don't really call attention to at the end. Uh, right. They right. don't say, well, dad, now you've got a buddy laying down next yes. to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is what I expected. The, um. The other aspect of it that I think they tie in pretty well, and I actually kind of liked, and I don't think that they uh, stress really much at all, is the the new conflict between the Federation, the Dominion, and the Cardassians, and how all of that really works. And I think that mm-hmm. it's, um, uh, I don't know if Avery Brooks does his best work in this episode, but I think that everyone else is doing a pretty good job. I like Dukat. Uh, we got Wayun is back. If you were wondering how Wayun comes back, here he is. Yeah, they 
just straight landfilled him, huh? Basically, <laughs> they did. And he's a little bit of a um, a different Wayun than we saw earlier. This is yeah. not, this is not my favorite <laughs> was... version of Wayun. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize at the time that Avery Brooks directed this. But now, after you said that, I was like, oh, I bet he had his thumb on the Wayun scale because <laughs> Wayun Wayun definitely feels like he's he's uh, uh, a couple ticks away from making some very strange noises. Yeah, Wayun. Um, I would describe this character as the kind of character who sits on a chair that's too big and his legs swing like he's swinging. Yes. Like yeah. he, he has sort of a childish approach to things and they fix this eventually. This is not the way he is portrayed the rest of the way, but it is a very strange departure from the way that he was. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be Wayun the entire time. They just like combs enough what they wanted to bring him back. And this is the way that they do it. The one thing I will say, they do a lot of... Um, there's one moment in particular I really like from it where Ducat is talking to Cisco about how the Cardassians have like, once you join the Dominion, it's not all that bad. Ducat has that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, we have a lot of autonomy and all this stuff. And like, we're allowed to do what we want to do. It's a lot of freedom. It's like, no, it's not nearly as bad as you're trying to make it seem. But then when he comes into the DS9 office with Wayun, he has a, and this is my uh, advisor, uh, Wayun, which is a, which I think is a really subtle way of, portraying not to spoil anything but the way that they convey the relationship between the dominion and the cardassians going forward and i think it's just a it's obviously not the freedom that ducat is trying to sell early on in the episode right yeah i actually liked wayun because yeah he was definitely different but i i read it as him being essentially like he's a he's a new clone so he's kind of young Yes. So that's, I, just, I read him as, yeah, a lo- just a little more immature. So it makes sense that he would kind of even out going forward. He, he does um, seem like he's spending a lot of the episode observing how these two interact with each other, too. Like he's trying to sort of like, he's trying to sort of understand how Ducat goes about things, I think, because he spends a lot of the episode looking and sort of listening and seeming surprised by the way that Ducat approaches subjects like this. Yeah. And I liked how he just knocked back that thing of poison. Yeah. That was pretty fun. <laughs> that's one of those unnecessary species facts that it doesn't really feel authentic uh in how you're going to bring it up but he's just like yeah i can drink poison i'm a bureaucrat comes in handy it's good for me yeah i like that uh i don't know if you had anything else that you thought about those i i like the i like the sense of um ducat trying to stop this guy from talking too much and i really like the way that it, it ends in a very cardassian thing of like well we're going to tell the people he uh, died honorably, basically, didn't say anything, and he'll have a full state burial, and no one will know the truth, and no one will be the wiser for it. Yeah, I um, I was kind of expecting uh, in that last bit with with Cisco, as uh, Ducat was leaving, I thought he was going to say something about like you know, give my regards to whatever the name of Ducat's arch nemesis was. You know that that kind of thing. Oh, that, that like, general yeah. that they're talking. They're the the other gull that they're talking about is that. Yeah, one? just yeah. just uh, give him a little rib, being like, "We got the information that you don't want us to know." Hmm, that's a good call too. Yeah, yeah. No, they they but, uh, they don't do that. They they end up with more of the button of um, Ducat says something, and Wayun has the sort of it's no simple as you say it's a simple matter to fix or something. Just the, the implication being there that the the Cardassian state is overpowering in terms of what the information will get out to its people, and this guy's death won't really amount to much because they'll have covered it up basically. Yeah, you know I, the one thing I did like that they um, I like that they keep the Dominion stuff. F- 
uh, fresh in your mind by mixing up the group of people that are that are together at one time and like the ships they come in on. Like I like that Dukat showed up on a Jem'Hadar ship and behind him on the view screen was a Jem'Hadar and a Cardassian. Yeah, right. And you know then he shows up with the Vorta. So I, I like that they are making sure you know where the allegiances are by you know mixing up who's on screen. Uh, at the same time, I th- I th- that made that made sense. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, it, I, I actually liked the shot of the. Uh, it was a pretty threatening shot of the ship approaching the station, which they never, yeah, which it doesn't really, really always work yeah. that way. But I thought it was pretty effective. Yeah, I like I like that shot a lot. It was, um, yeah, it was ve- it was very opening of Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's yeah. With the um, what are those things? The Imperial cruise or the Star Destroyers? Yeah, the Star or whatever Destroyers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's true. That's a good point. Um, Anything else that we want to talk about with this one? I, I, I would describe this one as a, a Kira episode that's pretty okay, although I don't know how many more of these Kira War stories I have in me or yeah. or the show has in it because I don't I, I I don't want to sound too harsh either because I thought this one had something to say about Kira running away from responsibility that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like they haven't broached that, but it is yet another Cardassian war story featuring Kira. Yeah, I, I uh, again, I, I'm I'm a little disappointed that they it, it wasn't exactly going back to the well, but it felt like it was because she had seems to have evolved, um, and they even kind of bring attention to it at the beginning uh, in a, in a different manner. Oh, that's true. When uh, when Dax says like you should have met her three years ago, she didn't like anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so like t- to have her change so much and then kind of pe- backpedal a little bit. It was a little bit annoying. I felt like they could have done the same story without exactly doing, having her fall back onto her uh, 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 prior prejudices the exact same way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, I mean, maybe that you know that's kind of the point of the story, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be interested. Yeah, I don't know how many more of these they got in them, unless you know you've got. I don't know. Does Chakar ever team up with the Cardassians? Because I, I feel like you could get like thirty minutes of flashback out of that episode. We need more flashbacks of Shakar. When do we find out when he gets trapped in the candle? <laughs> um, that'll be this upcoming discovery storyline. We're going to. Uh, I guess. Oh we'll- my god! I hope they bring the. I will. I will take back every negative thing I have ever said about Discovery if they have, may have a sub Rosa callback. <laughs> Where like it turns out Tilly's in love with a candle ghost. Oh my god! <laughs> she would sign she would me be up. The character when she, yeah, a hundred percent. I guess we'll just take a break. We'll play an audio clip. Me and Clay will come back. We're going to give our final thoughts and read some patron thoughts about ties of blood and water. Captain Cisco, thank you for the kind invitation. This is one of my Dominion advisors, Wei Yun. We've met. I saw you die. That wasn't me. At least not exactly. The Vorta are experts at cloning. It tends to mitigate the risk involved in so much of our work. My predecessor was the fourth incarnation of our noble progenitor. I'm the fifth. Immortality. Of a sort? Interested? All right, so that's it for Ties of Blood and Water. If you want to uh, support the show, you go to patreon.com slash file. And you can do a couple dollars a month. You get extra stuff. And you also, if you're a captain-level supporter, get a shout-out here at this point. We want to thank Stephen Cobb, Yarpy, Sean, Captain Quark, Dwayne Hackett, Eric Johnson, David Kay, Nick Sergi, 
Nick Sergi, uh, Nathan Elliott, Michael Pond, Matthew Cutler, Will Yates, Matt Flores, Samuel Custer, Grim Santo, Robert Cummins, Andrew Sherlock, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Decker Sebastiani, Bradley Killens, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, and Tark Latif. Thank you very much, guys, for supporting the show. So, Clay, let's go to patron thoughts. If you support the show on Patreon, you also get to leave your thoughts about the episodes, and we read them on the show. Zam Nuclear Wessel says, Ties of Blood and Water, another redo of Duet, and again doing it well. Kira using the occupation as an excuse to avoid emotional moments is a great touch, and the Na Visitor really plays it. It's nice when she gets the chance to do something complex. I'd agree about the acting I, thing. Uh, duet, I... Oh, go ahead. Do you have something to say? N- yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if I would say it's... A, I don't. I mean, I guess he's not necessarily, necessarily saying it's as good as Duet, because I do not think that. <laughs> no, he just, he just says redo, so... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean... She does have a lot of, um, the two Kira storylines, right, are they're either pretty good Cardass, Kira deals with a Cardassian story, or they're bad relationship stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. there's no, Kira doesn't have a lot, she, she had that pregnancy thing too, but they barely even touched on that. Like, they, there's not a lot of room for Kira to go in. And I think that the, the show is making kind of a mistake with her about not branching her stories out a little bit more than mm-hmm. this. I feel... She she's really the character I noticed the most whose story feels repetitive at this point. Do uh does she ever fall in love with a Cardassian? Mm, no, not that I can think of. Well, I, I feel like they left some money on the table. Yeah, there with you, that you one. think that's the, the the natural end point for her story? She falls so. in love and gets married with a Cardassian. Well, not necessarily get married, but I feel like that's the one angle that they haven't explored is like, well, what happens if she actually meets a Cardassian that she falls can fall in love with? Well, or, the, or, you know, they're not having sex without getting married. Claire, are you are you implying that they're they're going to have relations without being being married to each other? <laughs> I, well, I don't know what she and Shakar have been doing, but it, they're not playing Parcheesi. I can tell you that much. <laughs> the baby was beamed into her. Uh, let's see here. So, yes, yeah, it sure was. <laughs> So, Ties, uh, Holly McLaughlin says, Ties of Blood and Water. This is a great one. Kira's moral judgment is a bit overdone, given how dirty she got her own hands during the war, but that's my only complaint. Lots of complicated motives and shades of gray, which is DS9 at its best. Uh, Norman Buckwald says, This is a great episode, mainly because of the return of Wayun and the strangest line exchange ever. Kira, you really are enjoying this, aren't you, Dukat? I must admit, I do get a certain perverse pleasure out of it i wish there was something more to the past relationship between gamor and kira ideally maybe something that better bridges second skin in this episode the past memory of kira and her father i guess seemed fine i somehow wish this would have been brought brought back again in wrongs darker than night if that latter episode had to happen um i yeah i I, I think that the episode would have benefited from seeing this guy since Second Skin again. I, th- I think that would have only served to help. Uh, I don't know if they had really planned out this sort of arc. I doubt it. But seeing him again one more time probably would have added a little bit to their relationship, I think. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, he kind of comes out of nowhere uh, in this one. Uh, it, 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 does, it does seem like one of those things where they've got this list of characters who are side characters, and they're like, well, we don't need these guys that often. We can just kill one of these guys off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is this actor available? Uh, Matthew Ross says, Ties of Blood Get and Water. Give me Tom Riker. <laughs> a, sweet, a sweet, sad story that probably saved some, could have saved some time if Gamor put his information on a USB key or something. One thing was that guy's sweater drove me nuts. I know you're old, but geez, too much fuzz on that thing. How the hell did the big battleship nonchalantly just show up and no one notice? Was that Excelsior below asleep? They really had to wait for Cisco to go to red alert? 
Jeffrey Combs and Marco Lemo are a perfect pair for the show and exemplified his foils to Avery Sisko. Ducat is at his most conniving. Wayun's downing the poison made me laugh then as now. And that aside, the sadness of loss of a relative or anyone close was heartbreaking to watch as Kira struggled through her father and her adopted father's deaths. I, I was going to say, <laughs> there was a, there, the scene where uh, um, uh, Bashir calls um, Kira to the, to the room because he's you know taking a turn for the worst. And she comes in, and, and Bashir's standing there with that like IV cuff in his hand. I was really hope he, hoping he was going to say, "Yes, it it turns out if you put this on over someone's shirt, it's effectively useless." <laughs> you did kill him. He is dead. I, <laughs> I was thinking um, when uh, Kira starts doing the thing, like, and you know, she's opening up her care of this, and she spills the water on the guy, and she can't get the machine to work right because he's like yelling in pain and everything. Mm-hmm. He, he should have just been like, "Maybe you, maybe you should bring that nurse in here." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have a professional be present for this. Cowbell. It's like in the it's like in the uh, the movies where you got a guy in a wheelchair who can't like feel his legs, and then all, you're always like dri- dripping hot. Su- <laughs> uh, Naked Gun Two, yes. the guy in the wheelchair, and he's like dripping hot soup into his crotch, <laughs> and like you know, <laughs> accidentally throwing knives into his leg. That's right. Uh, Kyle Barrett says, I wasn't really feeling this episode for a lot of its runtime. Sure, Wayun and Dukat are great, but I didn't buy this fatherly relationship that Kira has with the Cardassian guy we saw in that one episode I completely forgot about. But the scene with Kira and Bashir near the end of the episode blew me away, and Visitor's acting was some of the best I've seen on the show. It's also nice that they let the writing and performances do all the emotional work, and the scene was free of the music that lets you know it's time to cry from certain other modern TV shows. You know what's kind of funny? You know how some people only call each other by their last names? Like yep. we have we have multiple friends with the same first name, so yes. we, you know, and using the last name. <laughs> if you called her by her last name, she would it would constantly sound like you were talking to like an alien. Hello, visitor. Please come in. Oh, I see. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were talking visitor, about Visitor, <laughs> please stay for a while. <laughs> it's a very um B budget uh 80s sci-fi movie, I think. Yes. Hello, visitor. Hello, visitor. Uh, Neil Brennan says, Ties of Blood and Water. Oh, he agrees with you, Clay. I didn't need the flashbacks. I don't know what it is, but the mm. actors they cast as Bajoran freedom fighters never look like freedom fighters. They're a bit portly. They're they're well-fed uh, freedom yeah. fighters, I <laughs> <Yes>. think. <laughs> um, that's it. Thank you for leaving your comments, guys. It's much appreciated. Thank you for supporting the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file. And now, Clay, we're going to go mm. to our final thoughts about Ties of Blood and Water. Um, neither of us, I would describe us as excited about this episode, I suppose. So why don't you go first with your uh, rating on one to five? Yeah, that was fine. I'll give it a three. Yeah. Middle of the road. Yeah. Um, it, it works. It works when it has to. I mean, I, I give, I can give, um, not that I would say this is a bad episode cause it's not, but it's fairly uneventful. Yes, uh, yeah. but I think the uneventful ones can be saved sometimes if they really stick the landing, and I think they really stick the landing on this one. Okay. Um, so yeah, I would I would say it's a it's a it's a strong three. Yeah, I'd I'd give it a three as well. Um, I like yeah, it's kind of the uh, it's kind of the opposite of remember the Odo episode where he has the baby changeling that dies. Yes, it, it's kind of the opposite of that. You know, it's like it where that episode didn't really get the ending to work out to mm-hmm, either mm-hmm. of our like what we thought was going to happen this one kind of is like middling for most of it and then the ending is like oh okay like you really brought that all together yeah was there like what was that was the head writer this season just listening to cats in the cradle on a loop for like the entire <laughs> uh duration of writing this season there's a lot of uh 
Uh, there's a lot of, of father issues in this season. Yeah, yeah, there are. There are. There's a lot of. Um, yeah, we don't really know a lot of the the fathers either. Well, in Cisco and whatever. Yeah, but Odo had as his father, and then uh, Bashir had his parents come out and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. so there are a lot of father activities. I'd like I'd like to see a scene with uh, Odo. Kira, Bashir, and Worf when they're all, you know, just bitching about father stuff. And then Worf is like, I don't care. I don't know where my son is. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't exist anymore. What's a father? What's yeah, a where f- is his son anyway? Uh, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be around. We'll see him. Um, Alexander will be around at some point. I think that's it. I'm going to give it a three as well. There's nothing really wrong with this episode. It, uh, it just doesn't really blow me away. And I think it's a little bit repetitive on the Kira front at this point. Does he show up as as like you know? <laughs> Patton Oswalt has a bit where he he talks about how, how uh, um, you know being into all the stuff that he's into like comics and 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 you know writing and and uh, and Blade Runner trivia and all that kind of stuff was his way of rebelling against his normal parents. Mm-hmm. So is he's he's afraid that his daughter is going to rebel against him by just being like really good at accounting, right? Really straight. And is that? Is that is that how Alexander comes back? Like he wants to wear Worf as a hipster Klingon. <laughs> Alexander comes back and he's all about like wearing, you know, human fashion um, and and showing that he's you know he's he 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 wishes he was a human. No, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but I, I don't think you'll be surprised by the way Alexander shows up. Actually, I think we I think we've talked about. It. I think you nailed it when you previously predicted what Alexander would be like. Uh, but you don't remember that much. Like you don't remember second skin. I do, n- I do not. <laughs> I'm sure someone does, though, because I don't, you know, as soon as it comes out of my mouth, it's gone. They'll let you know. They'll let you know. Um, that's it. We got Ferengi love songs as the next episode. And I think that's oh, pretty boy. much it. And this Those is, are close, close together Ferengi episodes. They are. They deliver. We are. I don't know if you've read it in the YouTube comments. This is a lull in this season. We've had about five or so episodes that have not been particularly uh, interesting. And we're going to get out of it eventually. But uh, we have to get through a couple Ferengi episodes first. <laughs> Again, it's amazing that you can do that back then. Just like, imagine have these if we, were, yeah, if we were watching something now, covering something now, and it's like, yeah, the past five episodes have been kind of boring and you know, forgettable. Yeah, you'd be like, this is the worst season of TV I've watched in years. Yeah. Well, I think we just kind of pare it down. Now we go. Well, this Netflix yeah. show had a bad two episodes in the middle, and those could have That's been true. cuts. And yeah, yeah, it's it's it is it's all averages. It always just surprises me when they go on streaks, sort of like there's no reason that the, you wouldn't have a streak of a couple bad episodes or a couple great episodes in a row. But it it always it always strikes me as very weird when you have a, a pretty prolonged stretch where nothing is really above average for you. Mm. Um, it's just kind of the way that the cards fell. But for, yeah. Ferengi Love Songs are the next episode. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think I'm good. All right. I'm done as well, I think. We'll be... Uh, I'll be trying to do the Deadwood coverage to catch up with that. It's a super busy time. I started a uh, new job, so things are a little bit hectic here. We're going to have Discovery, the last episode of Discovery, Clay, which I'm very excited about, uh, both in terms of the content of the episode and it being the last Discovery of the season that we have to do on Fridays Mm. will be nice. And um, look forward to that. And Amy Adams, Real Ripe and Real Rotten will be coming out. Coolio comes out the same day as this, I think. We did uh, Gangster's Paradise for... Radio Star Murders. That'll come out on Wednesday, which this episode is going to come out on tomorrow, whatever, today. I think that's it. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, and we'll see you next time.